Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here to worship you today. As we enter into this season, we pray that we can be focused on you. We pray this morning as we hear the story of Zechariah and John the Baptist, God, that we can hear the story that you have for us. So many of us here this morning are longing to live out your purpose. Show us. Show us how in these days leading up to Christmas, we can double down on that, that we may shine your light and ignite your change in a world desperate for it. Fill us up in this moment and use us as people who will share your good news with a world desperate for it. Amen. Amen. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful time of year, right? I don't know about you all, but my kids are wearing Christmas shirts like every single day now. Um, I've been, you know, the house smells a little bit like Christmas cookies. I've already um, decided to start that last night. Um, our, our Christmas tree, we have a real Christmas tree. Chris insists on that. It smells like pine in my house. Anybody else have this? So my inside decorations are up. My outside decorations are not up. I look at my calendar. I have a few holiday Christmas socials coming up. I'm really excited about uh, things. I have like one gift bought. I'm not a, I'm like a last minute shopper. Anybody else here a last minute shopper? Uh, power to you. Um, that's what I tend to do is wait till the last minute to get, to get gifts. But things are starting, it's starting to look a lot like Christmas, right? And in this process of getting ready, those of us who follow Jesus can miss a very important part of this getting ready. And that is that Jesus did come into the world, but Jesus came into a world as a baby that had been waiting on him for thousands of years. And in this season, we can quickly get to moving to the next thing or hurrying through all of the things that are going on in our lives. It can be the busiest time of the year. And we can forget. We can forget that people waited thousands of years for God's promise to send Emmanuel, God with us, to send the Messiah, the one who would save us from the brokenness and troubles of this world. They waited for thousands of years. And in this season, God has asked us to do something different than the culture around us. Not to not pretend like Jesus hasn't already come into the world, but to, to practice again waiting, to practice waiting again. Because I don't know about you all, but I'm the worst ever at waiting. I'm the person who fast forwards to the end of the movie to see what it, how, how it ends. I love, I love that Netflix now can watch the last program in the series and know how it ends. And I don't have to watch all the in-between. Um, I, I love, I hate waiting for things. I go to the grocery store at 9 p.m. at night because I don't like waiting in line. I know every shortcut in Tampa so that I don't have to wait at red lights. I don't like to wait. And if you don't think I would be one of the people who would miss Jesus, miss God coming into our world because I'm rushing on to the next thing and I'm not waiting, I'm the, world, I'm the first in line to figure out how not to have to wait for something. How can I just keep moving? How can I move on to the next thing? Surely something in this world can save me. And God says in this season, 
in this season where the world promises to give you thousands of things that will save you from the pain and the sadness, the fear and the anxiety about the future, when the world promises to hand you nine million things that will make you feel better, God asks us to wait, to wait on the King of Kings, to wait on the Prince of Peace, to wait on Emmanuel, the baby promise. God asks us to wait. And today, that's exactly what we find Zachariah doing. I don't know if any of you um, listen to music um, outside of like, I don't know what kind of music y'all listen to, but I like John Mayer. Anybody in here a John Mayer fan? I don't like that he broke Taylor Swift's heart, but I do like John Mayer. And one of his, I mean, the man can sing. He can write some good songs and he can sing. And there's a song that he writes, we're, we're waiting on the world to change. Anybody ever heard this? He, he just says it over and over and over, waiting on the world to change, waiting on the world to change, waiting on the world to change. And I was listening to it um, on our road trip this week. There's a line in it that sort of explains what it is we are asked by God to do in this season. It said, it's not that we don't care. Because so often when we're waiting or patient, people think we don't care, right? It's not that we don't care. We just know the fight ain't fair. The Israelites, the people waiting so long for God to come, recognize that the fight ain't fair. The government wasn't the light that it was supposed to be. There was brokenness. There was poor and hungry people. There were sick and hurting people. There were hopeless and desperate people all around them. And they know the fight just ain't fair. So we keep on waiting, waiting on the world to change. We're called to do this waiting and working to hold these two things kind of together. This year at Horizon... As we wait, as we step into this different way that God asks us to live, we're going to look at what's called a B-list Christmas. So if I ask you to name the main characters of the Christmas story, you'd name like Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, right? That's like who you'd name. But this year... This year, we're going to look at some B-list folks, some folks who were in the shadows, who don't take center stage, but who played an important and crucial role in God's work coming alive in the world and God building God's kingdom here. And the reason we're going to look at the B-list folks is because so often in our lives, we want center stage. We want to get the credit. We want things to work out for us. And in this story that we're going to study over the next three or four weeks, we're going to learn the people who took the side stage, but who God worked in their lives in incredible ways. This morning we're going to look at Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. He's a pastor in the time of the king of Herod. Um, He was married to a woman named Elizabeth. Um, Zachariah and Elizabeth were really, really good at something most of us are probably terrible at. They were really good at waiting. The Bible tells us they were righteous people. They were waiting diligently for God's promise to be made known to the people of Israel. They got up in the morning and they didn't join into the hustle and bustle of a morning routine. They stopped and they prayed first. 
during the time of the week when they were supposed to worship God. They didn't find nine million other things or places to, to go or things to do. They stopped what they were doing and they worshiped God. They gave one-tenth of everything they earned back to God. They gave their money to God and they trusted God to use it. Elizabeth baked bread in her home and she gave it out to people on the way into the temple so that the people who were hungry could have food to eat. Her and Zechariah sat with people who were sick and hurting, who were lonely and desperate. They prayed, they read scripture, they did what they were supposed to do as they waited for the Messiah to come and to save them from this government that wasn't working for them, for this world that was dealing with famines and droughts and supply chain issues. They were waiting for God to come and save them from the darkness through the Messiah. And as they were waiting for the Messiah to save the hungry people on the side of the road from being hungry, as they were waiting for God to rescue the poor from a life of being poor, as they were waiting for God to rescue the hurt from a desperate and hopeless life, as they were waiting desperately for God's goodness and grace to come into their lives. Did y'all hear that line in the story? They were waiting for a Messiah to save them, to heal them from their own pain and brokenness in their lives. They did everything they were supposed to do they were as faithful as they could be to God and to God's people. And yet, they had nothing to show for it. The one thing, the one thing they wanted was a child. And they could not have it. I imagine Zachariah who lives a life just like us, right? It's the end of the year. We've got year-end deadlines, Christmas programs, kids stuff, school stuff, work stuff, finance stuff. We've got all these end-of-the-year things, right? Zachariah is living that kind of life. And it's his turn to go into the temple and to be a priest. I imagine on his walk there, maybe he feels like he's on the road to nowhere. See, the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth is the exact story that I hear from so many people as they sit down and have coffee or lunch or they sit with me at my kids' ball games or they sit with me at dance. They say, you want to know why I don't go to church? You want to know why I don't go to church? Because I've seen people live their lives faithful and righteous to God and they have cancer. They lost a child. They can't have a child. They've lost their, their job. They experienced some tragedy in life. What, how could you believe in that kind of God? And Zechariah, with the pain of knowing God's promise and faithfulness to him has not yet come true, walks step by step by step into the work and into the life God's called him into anyway. I can hear now the gravel crunching beneath his feet and him thinking, maybe this life of faithfulness leads to nowhere. Maybe a life of praying and reading scripture, of meeting with my small group, of sharing my pain and my sorrow. Maybe a life of feeding the hungry and the poor. Maybe my life of giving to the people around me. Maybe my life of caring for the sick around me. Maybe that actually leads 
to nowhere. Maybe this road that I'm on right now leads to nowhere. Anybody asked that question lately? I asked it on Thanksgiving Day as my family hiked something called the Road to Nowhere. We went to hike the Road to Nowhere because it is literally, that's it. uh, that's my family, my three kids, my mom and dad and Chris. I made the picture. Um, but we, we rode this road to nowhere and then hiked through the tunnel and then on past it. Um, and I, I was telling Chris on the way there, we were like driving there, and I was telling him the history of, of the road to nowhere. Um, so in, 1940, in the 1940s, the U.S. government comes to Swain County, Bryson City, North Carolina. That's where we spent the past um, five days. We came back on Friday. Um, but the, they came to Swain County and they said, hey, there's this river and we really want to build a dam right here so we can use hydroelectricity to produce aluminum. Because in the 1940s, what's happening? It's World War II and what do they need aluminum for? For the war, right? And so Swain County makes this deal with them and says, okay, but we need you to build us a road that's going to get us from this rural town that we're in right now to the other side of the mountains in Tennessee so that we can have some open like routes to, to go shopping or to do the things that we need to do. Can you build a road through the mountains to the other side of Tennessee. And the the U.S. government was like, sure, we'll do that. So they bought these houses from people. Some of them got moved out and didn't actually get bought out. But they built the highest dam in eastern Eastern North Carolina. It creates a lake called Fontana Lake. And um, then they start building this road. And in 1980, this is where the road ends. It literally leads to nowhere. It leads to a tunnel in the middle of the woods. And it goes, no Further. So in 1980, this, is, this has been called the road to nowhere. Forty years later, broken promises. We thought that y'all were going to do this, Swain County says to the U.S. government. We thought you were actually going to uphold your promise. And they didn't. So it literally leads, it's a road that leads to nowhere. And as my family is hiking this, I went on ahead. My parents were kind of exploring the woods with the kids, and I'm walking as the leaves are crunching under my feet, and I just, I had this moment where I was like, God, I'm literally on the road to nowhere, and this feels a little eerie because this is how I feel in my life lately. Like I'm living on the road to nowhere. It's a life of broken promises. I thought that if I came here and was faithful, if I did what I could to love the poor and care for the lost and do what I could to pray for the hurting and, and, and try to be, I'm not, I've not been a perfect pastor, God, but I've been the best one ever. And I thought you promised me a mega church and I don't have one yet, God. I feel like I'm on the road to nowhere. And I heard the leaves crunching beneath my feet as I kept hiking and hiking and hiking. And I said, God, you gotta, you gotta do something. You gotta come down here right now and make my life look the way I want it to look. And I felt God say to me, Who says you're headed nowhere? Who says you're headed nowhere? As Zachariah walked step by step by step, into this temple, maybe as he hears the gravel crunching beneath his feet on the way into the temple, maybe he looks up at God and says, I'm tired of the broken promises, God. 
I've done what I could do to be faithful, and I need you to come down right now and fix this. I need you to fix this for me and Elizabeth, God. And he walks in the temple, just like so many of us have to do on a Monday morning in the midst of our hard lives. We just have to go on and walk into work and do what we're supposed to, right? And he walks into work, and he does his job. He starts burning the incense. And as he's walking this road where he feels like he has no purpose and it's leading to nowhere, even though he's done everything he's supposed to, he lights and starts to burn the incense, and an angel of the Lord appears to him. And you know what the first thing he says to him is? Do not be afraid. Because the first thing that happens when we're headed on the road to nowhere is we start getting really afraid that we're actually headed nowhere. And the very first thing that God says to Zechariah through the angel is, do not be afraid. If you feel like you are heading on the road to nowhere, Maybe retirement doesn't look like you thought it was going to. Maybe your job doesn't look like it, it was supposed to. Maybe your journey to parenthood or, or starting a family doesn't look like it was supposed to. Maybe you feel like you're walking the road to nowhere with a bunch of broken promises. The first thing God tells Zechariah is do not be afraid. Because the first thing that happens when we don't know the next step is we start to get afraid. We start to not trust ourselves or the ground in front of us. And, and the first thing the angel says is do not be afraid. Wherever you are right now in this moment, can you hear God say to you, do not be afraid. Take the next step on the crunchy gravel, on the crunchy fall leaves, in the, into the office, into the school, into the next season, the next chapter of life. Do not be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Do not be afraid. And then the, the angel goes on to explain to him, you're going to have a son. And you, you're to call him John. It means the promise. Zechariah, things really are going to be different in your life. Things really are going to be different. Some of you need to hear that. You have held on for as long as you can. And God is saying to you, just hang on. Just hang on. Things really are going to be different. He says, you're going to name him John that, that promises my faithfulness does come true. And then he tells him something. He says, don't miss out on the joy and the delight that he will bring you. Because in the season of waiting, I don't know if y'all know this, but when babies come, they don't like automatically come out as like a football star or like whatever they're going to be when they grow up in life. They don't, they don't come out being a college professor or a police officer or whatever it is we dream about our kids. They don't come out like that, right? They, we're given this, this baby, and he says, as you wait, as you wait, no, don't forget to experience joy and delight in the journey. Joy and delight in the journey. And I say that because in my own season of waiting, step by step by step, I can miss out on the joy and the delight. And that, that is what began to dispel, dispel fear and anxiety and pain. It, joy and delight, is what begins to dispel the fear and the anxiety and the pain in our lives. Joy and delight. There were lots of moments 
this week where I felt guilty for enjoying a, a hike through the woods because I should be back here working really hard, right? There were moments where I felt guilty for watching my kids have fun because maybe we should be back here in Tampa. And God says, enjoy the joy and delight on the journey right now. It's all around you. Savor the joy and the delight. Don't miss out on it because it helps the fear and the pain and the anxiety go away. Savor joy and delight when it happens. Savor joy and delight when it happens. And the third thing, which I will probably not heed this advice, but after Zechariah is told this, he looks at the angel and he says, are you really sure this is going to happen? Like, there are moments where we look at God and that's exactly what we say, right? Are you sure this is what you wanted this to look like? Are you sure, God, this is what you want it to look like? And the angel makes Zechariah stop talking. He's silent for, for months until Elizabeth gives birth to this baby. He's not able to speak. He's silent. He goes back out in front of the people who, who are worshiping and he can't speak and they know he's, he's seen this vision and like he's not able to speak. I have no idea why this is what God chose to do to Zechariah, but I do know that in seasons of waiting, on seasons where we're, we're walking to no, on the road to nowhere, I do know that in those seasons we tend to talk a whole lot. I do. I, maybe you don't. I do. I tell God what all I think. I tell my husband what all I think. I tell my friends what all I think. I talk, 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 talk. And I miss out on the silence. I miss out on the stillness. I miss out on the peace because I'm talking way too much. On this road to nowhere, be careful. Be careful how much talking you're doing and spend a little more time listening. Maybe you're like, I don't know what that means this week. Call up a friend who you know has been hurting and simply sit and listen to them. If you want to see God come into our world, take a friend who's hurting. Take a friend who's hurting out to coffee or lunch. Invite them over to your house and sit with them and let them talk and just listen to them. And you will watch God come in to the world. Show up at a small group and spend some time listening to the way other people are experiencing God in their lives. Show up at work and ask someone else how their day is and don't talk too much. Listen. Show up with your spouse. Don't talk too much. Listen. Show up to God. Show up with God and don't talk too much. Just listen. Trust me, I'm going to need to take this advice this week. Don't talk too much. Listen. I don't know if you all know this, but all the manger scenes around town, I've been looking at them, they don't have Zachariah in them. Has anybody seen Zachariah in, a, in a, one of the manger scenes around town? No, he's not there. And here's the deal. In thousands of years, somebody might be riding down the road, and they'll know something about the story of a God who did, who did something incredible, but they may not know what your role was in it. But it doesn't mean it wasn't important. Because the people who were hungry and had a piece of the bread that Zechariah made, they knew what his face looked like in heaven. The people who were poor and didn't know how in the world they were going to have their next meal or their next piece of clothes that they needed... Those people knew 
what Zacharias' face looked like in heaven, even if we don't see him in the manger scene. Those people, Elizabeth, his wife, knew what his heart looked like in a season of waiting because he was there praying, sitting beside her and loving her. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the man who prepared the way for the Lord, the man who baptized Jesus, the man who God like, gave the power of the Holy Spirit to before he was even born, this man who was amazing. John the Baptist was really proud to say, Zachariah's my dad. That's my dad, Zachariah. Thousands of years from now, people may not know exactly your story. You may not take center stage, but it doesn't mean God's work in your life and what you're doing isn't important. I don't think you're headed on the road to nowhere. I think God is taking you somewhere on an uncharted path. And may we hear the words of the angel say, do not be afraid. Go get them. And who cares who gets the credit? May God, may God's glory be known through it. Will you pray with me? God, we love you so much. And we thank you so much for loving us. For those of us in a season of waiting, in this season of of step by step on roads to nowhere, God, show us. Show us what these roads are that you want to call them. Give them new names and new purpose. And use us, God, to shine your light and ignite your change. Amen.